came in for a mission. The snap, Winston sells the play action fake again. Look sideline, Bay route toward the corner of the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans takes it over the shoulder. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire the cannons. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Rely on your ultimate teammate, Frontier. Don't go it alone. Visit Frontier.com slash Bucks. Now live from Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Here's your host, Bucks team reporter, Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? Happy Monday to you. We are so excited that you're all here with us today, and I am so excited to be joined by Sean Murphy Bunting, cornerback rookie. Sean, thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you for inviting me. And, yeah, you got your first interception, and uh, that had to be a moment that you'd been thinking about forever. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a moment that, you know, everyone wants to have, uh, and then once you actually get it, you don't really know what to do or how to react to it. Um, so, I mean, it was really exciting. That's awesome. And how much had you thought about what it was going to feel like? And in that moment, did it hit you, the gravity? Like, man, I just got my first interception. Yeah, it hit me once I got tackled, like literally. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> once, <laughs> once I got hit, um, I kind of got up, and I was, like, super excited. Um, and then I seen, you know, Jordan Whitehead and, and uh, Mike Edwards come to me and just uh, just get real excited with me, get real hype with me, and um, it was just a real good experience. Yeah, Jordan had just got his before. We had him on the show last week to talk about his first interception. Yeah. Did you guys get a chance to talk about that? Uh, not yet, actually. Um, today was more so just kind of figuring out what we did wrong and, and uh, how we can change it and stuff like that. Um, but we really haven't got down to sit and just talk about, you know, what it was like to get our first interceptions, and I'm sure that conversation is going to come up real soon. That's going to be awesome. Uh, take us through the play and, and how that went for you. Um, so, I mean, we were in a man-to-man a -man concept play. Um, so we played underneath uh, like a two-man. Um, and then I had Kamara on my side, obviously, and that's who I had. Um, just knowing him and knowing him as a back, he likes to go a lot of option routes. So he plays off of your leverage. If you're outside, he's going to go in. If you're inside, he's going to go out. Um, and in my role, I was supposed to be inside originally. But I played him outside because I wanted him to go inside to where, you know, I knew I could slip it. Um, and then I slipped it, kind of bobbled it out of his hands. I saw the ball go up, and I just grabbed it, reached forward, and, um, got it. And got it, yeah. And got it, yeah. What did you do with the ball afterwards? Did you get to keep it? Yeah, I ran to the sideline, gave it to uh, our equipment guy, and he had it in my locker after the game. So what are you going to do with it now? Um, I'm actually going to give it to my grandpa. Um, the game was the crucial catch game, um, and he's beat cancer twice now, and he's wow. actually been diagnosed to get So um, that's going to be my gift to him, just give him that ball and kind of show him um, how much I appreciate him. That's incredible. Did you even realize that it was the crucial catch game before the game, or when did you realize that? No, I didn't realize it until after the game, um, until I seen the ball, actually. It said crucial catch on the ball. Um, that's when I kind of figured out, you know, that the game was for that cause and for that reason. Um, and then I kind of researched it, looked around, and, and saw what it actually meant. So. That's so cool. Have you told him yet that he's getting the ball, or is it a no, surprise? No, I haven't told him. Yet. That's awesome. Yeah. I bet he's going to be so excited with that. Um, I know that when I saw you after the game, you said you wished it had been off Drew Brees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Still, I mean, exciting to get the first interception no matter what, but I'm sure you want it off the, the quarterbacks that you've been watching for years and years. Abso is that what it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Drew Brees is a legendary quarterback. Uh, he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer, so getting it off of him just would have been just a different experience you know, yeah. for anyone. Yeah. Um, well, hey, you'll have, you'll have uh, another chance later absolutely. on in the season probably absolutely. based on when he's coming back. Who are the quarterbacks you would most want to pick off? Um, Matt Stafford. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, because of where you're from. That Washington. makes sense. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Tom Brady, of course. I feel like everyone wants everyone to pick up Everyone would say Tom that, Brady. yeah. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton. Ooh, okay. Major Cam Newton. So. 
and unfortunately you would have a shot at that soon, but it looks like he might not actually health wise yeah, be back not. out there. Exactly. You, you keep getting these <laughs> backup quarterbacks <laughs> exactly. when you're wanting to pick off these exactly. starters. That's pretty funny. Um, so when did you find out that you were going to play a bigger role this game? This was definitely the most uh, snaps that you've gotten, the most action in the regular season so far. When did you find out that that, that was going to be the case? Um, it was more so the beginning of the week. Uh, they kind of just told me that I was going to be splitting reps at nickel, um, and I'm getting ready, you know, just to play a bigger part. I mean, they've been telling me for a few weeks now that uh, my role is going to slowly increase and increase um, and just be ready when my number's called. Um, and each week there's been situations where I have to go in a player or two uh, for guys that go down for a player or two. And so um, I was just getting my, getting my feet wet, um, getting acclimated. And then, you know, once the, the game kind of started, once they told me, like, I was going to be the first guy to go in, um, I just had to keep that confidence that I've always played with my whole life. And uh, I did that, and it, it kind of led into um, the plays that happened. So. Yeah. Did you have – were you nervous before the game, or have you been nervous before any of the games so far? Yeah, I mean, nerves nerves come. Um, I mean, I've been been nervous just because it's a different environment. Um, you know, I've never been in the Superdome. Um, I've never been to any of these stadiums, per se. Um, so, I mean, once I get out there, I kind of – I get ready necessarily in my own mind right before a national anthem. Um, and I kind of calm myself down, and then I just go out there and play. What was it like to play in the Superdome? I'm sure you'd heard before how loud it was and how intense it was. Did it live up to all the hype? Actually, I didn't, I didn't think that it was going to be as loud as everyone was saying. Oh, I was really? like, there's no way. There's like, no way. You know, because when they played, like, the noise during practice, it's like you can't even hear your own thoughts. Yeah. So once before the game even started, I heard what I was hearing at practice. So I was like, wow. Like, I've <laughs> – Wow. Like the it game was hasn't wild. even started it and it's wild. that loud. Yeah. It was loud, so. That's crazy. And how, I know that we talk about how much that affects the offense and them trying to get all their play calls out, but how does it affect you guys defensively? Some guys talk about they like playing on the road even more because they, they like the fact that it's the opposing fans. They want to silence them. Is that kind of how you feel, or how does it affect what you guys are doing out there? Um, I would say I personally enjoy playing on the road. Um, like they say, just silencing the crowd, um, just playing, you know, as an underdog all the time. It's like, it, it brings a different fire out of you. It brings a different drive out of you. Um, it makes you want to go harder and harder. Um, just knowing that you can prove doubt is wrong. Everyone in that stadium came to see that the other team play. And so um, you just going out there and you, you beating the, a team like that, um, you know, at their stadium, and that goes for any team. It's just like it's a different feeling. So. We're talking to cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting here. So uh, your first game with, with major amounts of snaps and you're attempting to with other people on the team as well to cover Michael Thomas, which is – no easy task, but, you know, that's one of those introductions to the NFL that I think is always so interesting, especially for cornerbacks when and, – and in this division, there are a lot of elite wide receivers that you're going to be asked to cover. So what was that like and what was the learning curve like for you guys as, as you figured out, you know, going against some of these elite guys? Um, specifically for Mike, uh, he was just a real physical guy. And so um, the small things you can do on other receivers, maybe smaller guys, you can't really do on him or they won't work. Um, I know as far as tackling him, he doesn't go down on arm tackles. Um, and just being at the top of his routes, he, he's going to be physical. He's going to push off. He's going to use his body to his advantage. Um, and guys like that, you have to be uh, aggressive with them before they can kind of get aggressive with you in a way. Um, and I mean, it was just like you said, a learning curve. You know, I go, I know for me and, you know, the other guys in the secondary, um, you know, you just got to prepare better during the week for guys like him and, and just other guys in general in this conference. Um, because there's going to be guys like Julio Jones that we have to play. You know, Sanu we're going to have to play. I'm um, just bigger body receivers that's, that's going to always give you those problems because of the matchups. And um, you just got to be ready to fight every day and go out and grind. Yeah, that's, that's huge. What do you feel like you guys as a group um, could have done better, maybe not just against him, but overall against um, the Saints offense in that game? 
now that you guys have had a chance to look back at the film, talk to each other about it a little bit, what are the things that, especially since you are going to play them again, that you feel like you could do differently next time? Um, I feel like we played a little too um, soft in the back end, so we played a more off covers than uh, normally. We didn't really challenge them and make them throw it over top of us. Uh, we would give up hit, uh, passes like hitches, passes like curls, um, instead of making them test us deep, you know, with posts and, and, and fades and stuff like that. Um, and so I feel like as far as it being, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and, and being a newer quarterback, you know, not familiar with the team like Drew Brees, uh, we have, we're going to have to make him throw throws that he's not comfortable with throwing. Um, and, and try to make those guys make plays on us, not just give them plays and give them opportunities. Yeah, and you're not used to playing a team twice in a season. You know, that's not something that, that happens until you get into the NFL. So right. what do you feel like that'll be like for you to prepare to play a team again that you've, you've already played and you're already about to do it now with the Panthers? It, how weird is that to be like, man, like we, I feel like we just did this. Yeah, it really is weird. Um, I know in college, I've never, yeah, like you said, I've never played the same team twice um, in the same year. I know for other conferences it might be different because you might play them in the SEC and then play them again in the championship and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's different. It's an advantage for both teams because you've seen what they can do. Um, you know who you're going against. You know your opponent. And so, I mean, I feel like there's, like, you, you have to be ready. If you've already seen them one time, you're going to see them again. You have to know what's going to come. So. Yeah, and that's the great point that they're they're the same way where they've seen right. what you do now. Right. So that's sort of that chess game that starts. And, right. and is that something that you enjoy about the game? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I like when, when guys know what other guys – I like when guys know what they're going to deal with. I like when they know that um, they're going against a certain guy every week or they're going against a different guy every week and, and know what they're going up against so they can have to maneuver their way around, you know, kind of who, who they're dealing with. So, You guys have had defensively some, some great performances already to start the season earlier on. What felt uh, different about this game where I know you guys gave up more in terms of yards, points, things that, that you would have wanted to. What were some of the things that either the Saints were doing better than other teams had done or the things that you guys somehow weren't doing that you'd done earlier this year? Um, I would say we have, you know, more of our mental errors this game than we have any other game. Um, you know, just gap assignments, uh, even miscommunications in the back end. You know, we don't really have those each and every week. Um, but for some reason, we had a, a lot of them this game, um, and it kind of it, it burnt us in the back end. I know, um, I know, in one of the cover twos, we kind of had a miscommunication there, so one of our safeties kind of misaligned, um, and even just kind of run fits. You know, I know for myself, I had a, a fit where I fit outside instead of going inside, and that kind of caused a, a ten-yard run. So uh, we did a lot of things like that. Third downs, we have to make sure we get off the field because that causes um, big problems this game when it never really causes issues before. Um, and so that's kind of things that we have to tighten up on and, and correct and, and get ready to go because we were one of the best teams on third down conversion until this last game. So Right, yeah. Um, how about third down? That was a, a really interesting part of the game for, mm. for both sides of the ball. But um, you guys stopped the first four, I think, mm. third downs that they had. Then after that started struggling to get off the field quite as much. What changed there? What, what were you guys doing well? And then what was the struggle on third down after that? Uh, I feel like earlier in the game we were being more aggressive, uh, like you said. Um, and then... You know, Carlton went down. He was one of our, our most aggressive guys. Uh, he goes down. You know, we have to make some adjustments. Um, and I feel like we just got, like I said, a little too complacent, a little too soft. Um, we started just giving up dink and dime passes on third downs that we shouldn't have gave up. You know, we had a penalty on one of them. Um, and so we just have to be strong mentally on, on downs like that and get off the field, get our offense back the ball. Yeah, how did that affect you guys, Carlton, going out? I mean, I know that it's always tough to lose somebody mid-game, whether it's injury or ejection or whatever. How did that shake up what you guys were asked to do? And, again, a game where you're already playing more snaps than you'd played before, how did that affect the rotation that you guys had going? Um, I mean, we have a strong rotation. We have a lot of depth. 
Um, it's always the next guy up mentality. Um, but Carlton always brings energy to the game. He always brings that physicality, that, that swag that we need in the defensive back group. Um, and just losing him kind of just, it didn't necessarily hurt us as a team, you know, in, in a bad way. Um, but we would all wanted to see him out there playing with us and, and, and battling with us and going through with us. But I know that's what he wanted. So Yeah, for sure. And, and they did a lot of sort of trick plays, interesting things going on. I mean, the way they used Taysom Hill, they had right, Kamara yeah. throwing as if he's not already a big enough threat. Yep. Let's have him throw now. So what did that do for you guys? And how prepared were you for those kind of scenarios? And how do you feel like maybe you could now be a little bit more prepared next time? Um, I feel like we were prepared, like you said, on most of the scenarios. Um, they kind of kept us on our toes um, with all the trick plays and all the uh, misdirection plays and stuff like that. And so we just have to be more aware of the situations. Um, we have to read our keys and, and keep our eyes on our keys. I feel like if we do that, then we can kind of distinguish the trick plays from, you know, the basic plays that they run each and every week. So Yeah, that's true. Um, there were some, some other tough calls besides, you know, Carlton's uh, ejection. There was also the fumble that they said they couldn't tell who recovered it. And there was the challenge on the offensive pass interference against Vernon and things that didn't end up going the Buccaneers' way that were some pretty tough calls. When that happens, um, regardless of the accuracy of the calls, when there are calls that are tough like that, how do you guys try to deal with that or cope? And what, what does that do to the mentality when you're out there and, and those sort of deflating moments happen? Um, I would say it shouldn't it shouldn't really change the mindset of the game. It should only make us want to, you know, go out there and compete more. Um, just feeling like we're going against everyone in the stadium, including, you know, the referees. It's like it's, it brings out a different mentality, a different mindset. Um, and I feel like as far as football, is, is it comes with the game. You're going to get calls that you don't like. You're going to get calls that you do like. Um, calls in your favor, calls not in your favor. And you just have to be able to kind of overcome those and just play your game and, right. and not get rattled by them. Yeah, how real is the concept of momentum? That you hear that, oh, it looks like a momentum shift is happening. It, it to, to me, it felt very real in yesterday's game. Does it feel that way out there for you guys? Absolutely. I feel like, you know, the defense is hot. Defense is rolling. You know, the offense, they're going to come up with a big play. And you just keep momentum on your side. Um, momentum builds a lot of confidence with, within the guys that, that have the momentum necessarily. Um, you know, when – you're going against a team and they're constantly moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, and they're gaining momentum. It's kind of hard to slow them down because they feel like they have the most confidence in the world. So they're going to test you and try you in many different ways. And so uh, momentum's a big, a big part of the game, and I feel like it's a big uh, confidence booster. All right, well, we still have plenty more coming up here from Hooters on Hillsboro with Sean Murphy Bunting. We're here every week from 5 to 6, so come on out, get an autograph, get a photo, come hang out with us. This is Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? Thanks again for being with us here on this Monday afternoon. We are here every Monday from 5 to 6 at Hooters on Hillsboro. Although we will not be here next week because it is the bye week after that London game. We are here with cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. Sean, thanks again for being with us. Thank you. This is where we uh, try to get to know you a little bit more, especially in this segment. And... Uh, I know that you came out of a high school and you didn't have the D1 offers. Uh, were you a zero-star prospect? Is that what they re they rated you as? Yeah. Is that oh, yeah. I don't even disrespect. I don't even think I had any stars. Just no, no stars. No it's stars. Tragedy. And they, uh, no <laughs> one had been drafted from your high school since like '75 or something. So you didn't come from one of those like football powerhouse places. Right. No. I don't think there was anyone drafted from a high school at all. I think, I think in '75 that might have been the first Division One guy. Wow, so yeah, not even so drafted. Not even drafted. Wow, that's crazy. So take us through the path of how you went from 
nun stars <laughs> to <laughs> to where you ended up to to CMU. We'll just go from uh, from how you ended up that at high school to in, ended up at CMU. How I ended up at CMU. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was a no no offer guy coming out of high school. Um, I actually got my first offer from Central Michigan um, going into my senior year, um, and after the season, it was kind of it was pulled away from me. Um, so basically, I waited um, until February of. 2015 so I was graduating in May waited till February 2015 um, went up there me and my mom went up to Central Michigan um, met the coach kind of face to face I was sending him letters a bunch of things like that he wasn't really responding um, so we went up there basically saw saw me in person gave me the, the scholarship offer right right then and there and gave me a great shit offer and told me I could come in in January um, and I went in January I started off as a safety um, Tried to switch over to wide receiver because that's what I was playing in high school. And he told me, basically told me that I could be a, an average, you know, college wide receiver. I could be an NFL caliber cornerback. Um, so he switched me over to corner. Um, Seems I didn't like a play smart safety. guy. Yeah, so um, I did that. My freshman year I played um, third down, so I played mostly nickel, nickel, dime, package. Sophomore year I got a starting job. And then junior year declared after the season. So Why didn't you want to play safety? Well, I, I was 160 pounds. That going into college. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to play safety yeah, at that either. No, no, no. You I was going to say, I was like, I didn't know if you were about to hate on the position. We were going to have to go tell Jordan and, and Mike and those guys that you no. were hating on their position. It was just 160 seemed a little dangerous. 160 soaking wet. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so how did you – tell me what happened at CMU to where, again, you went from gray shirting and starting in January – to then not only doing well enough to get drafted, but to declare early. I mean, how were you able to, in such a short amount of time, make such a big impact and change in your, in, in who you were and how people viewed you? Um, I would say I was blessed to have a really good coach um, that kind of held me to the highest standard once I got in. Um, he basically told me, you know, I have the, the physical ability, the, the mental um, side of the game. Um, I have everything that I need. I just have to be more focused and more willing to, to put in everything I have into what I want. Um, eventually for the outcome. Um, so my freshman year, I had a, a pretty decent season. I had two interceptions that year. Um, still gave up some catches that probably shouldn't have given up. I gave up some touchdowns, you know, everything. Everyone goes through those um, type of situations. And then my sophomore year, I had uh, this guy named Amari Coleman, and then I had a safety named Josh Cox. And those two guys kind of really molded me into the player I am um, because I kind of took traits from both of them. Josh was a guy that was always in film, um, always knew what was going on, and Amari was a guy that, which is a really gifted athlete, um, and so he just made made plays out of nothing. He always um, could lock a guy down, catch an interception, and you knew he was going to take it back to the end zone. And so um, I kind of took traits out of both those guys and kind of molded around my game. And having them, you know, on the field with me, it was like I was I knew I was going to get tested. Um, then I just kind of made the most of every opportunity I was given. So I think I ended that year with about five or six interceptions. One got called back. Um, and so that kind of put me in the spotlight of things, just having them around because no one really wanted to throw, yeah. throw at those guys. And yeah. so they tested me. Um, and I just I stepped up to the challenge and, and made, you know, the name for myself. And then going into my junior year, it was kind of the opposite. You know, we got new guys in the secondary. And so they re didn't really test me as much. But when they did, uh, I made plays on it. So I think I had maybe two interceptions that year. Um, and then I kind of just felt like I was ready, you know, for the next level. I felt like I was um, I had given them, you know, pretty much all I could. Um, and I just wanted to challenge myself and, and kind of put myself in a situation where uh, I was continuing to fight for myself and continuing to, to believe in what I could do. So, Was it a tough decision to leave early? It was definitely tough. Uh, I built re 
relationships with a lot of those guys on the team. I came in with a lot of them, and so um, leaving them, you know, my last year was, was really hard. Um, coach, you know, I came in with the coach, and it kind of made it a lot easier, you know, knowing he was he left too because uh, he went to Detroit Lions, so he's with Detroit. Um, but it kind of just made it a lot easier because uh, I felt like I just owed him a lot, you know, just by him getting me to that school and getting me there. I felt like I owed him, you know, everything I had in me, and so um, – I just went out there and, and did everything I could every every single day, and the opportunity presented itself, so I took it. And you were a three-sport athlete in high school, baseball, yep. basketball, football, is that right? Baseball, basketball, football. Now, the part I'm confused by is why track wasn't one of those after your 40 time. <laughs> no, I um, so I actually started running track uh, my senior year. Senior year. I was Waited gonna, all the way till senior year? Senior year, I started running track, um, and then... Maybe two weeks in, I was doing the high jump too. So two weeks in, I think I landed on the bar. And after I did that, like it, it landed on my back, and I was like, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> so I quit. Wow. And then I just went back to the baseball team. Because they were during the same year, so I was going to do them both at the same time. Um, and then once I landed on the bar, I was like, I'm never doing that again. No, Cause not it hurt bro, I'm out. No, yeah. it was not worth it. That's so, so funny. So I just, I just quit. I was about to say that. Also, I was going to ask about the vertically because those were the two things at, at the combine yeah. that you excelled at like yeah. crazy. So this makes sense. You'd had a little bit of training and that yeah. kind of thing. So, I mean, your your numbers were crazy at the combine. Did you expect to do that well? Um, I expected to jump really high. I expected to run fast. You know, during the training process, we never got our official times. And so. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised by that. It seems like you'd want to know what you were doing did they purposely just they don't want you to get in your head about it or why don't they tell you your times i mean i had one of the best speed coaches kind of in the country his name's ryan flaherty so uh he he works with nike he works with guys like kobe and, and just a bunch of different athletes across the country and so um he just told me to trust him he knew what he was doing he told me what i was going to run at the combine um but he just told me he's never he's never going to tell us our time we never ran a full 40 when i was training with him you never ran the full 40 no. in all that training no nope. we were on some days we ran 10 yard starts other days we ran flying 20, so we ran the end of the 40, the last 20 yards. But other than that, we didn't run a 40. Dang, that's crazy. It, obviously, it worked. Yeah, like, <laughs> it worked. It worked. Were you ever nervous in the process of like, man, I'm, I'm training for the 40 and I'm not running a 40? Every day. Every I, day you were I, nervous. I called my mom every single day, and I would just tell her, like, he's not telling me a time. Like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to ask him? Like, <laughs> and I asked him one time, and he's like, it's like, don't worry about it. It'll be good. You're like, I am worried he's about like, it. He's like, don't worry about My it. My career is, is hanging on this. I am he, worried about it. He just kept telling me that I was on the right track. So he just said, don't worry about it. You'll be good. And stuff like that. So. Well, he was right. You can't really you can't really question him there. Can't. I mean, how important – I feel like the combine probably was even more important to you than almost anybody else because you came from a smaller school. Is that how it felt to you at the time? Yeah, it was a big, big jump. Um, and I just feel like I had to show a lot, to prove a lot, just come – Coming from the school I came from, I came from a smaller Division One school and just the MAC at that, so it's one of the smallest conferences too. So I feel like I had a lot to prove, a lot of eyes on me. Um, and I know that in question the 40 was going to be something that everyone looked at, the 40 and then uh, my weight and how I hold weight and stuff like that. So Yeah, because basically they were telling you that you needed to put on weight before the mm -hmm. combine. Mm -hmm. Were you worried that was going to slow you down? Because you put on, what, 15-ish pounds? I put on... 20 20 dang yeah. 20 to 20 holy yeah. cow and you still ran that fast yeah, yeah were you was, were you worried that it was going to slow you down oh uh, no i wasn't worried because i i felt like the heavier i was getting the stronger i was getting so yeah. i felt like i was getting faster and faster because at, at one point um i want to say when i first got to the combine i was like 198 pounds 
And so I told my agent, and he told me to cut weight <laughs> because he's like, "You're like now I have the reverse problem." He's, he's like, "I don't want to. I don't want them to try to put you at safety anymore." Oh <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I cut weight. I cut down a couple more pounds before you know the official weigh-ins, and, and I was just confident right there. That's crazy. How, what do you remember about the process overall of preparing to get drafted, preparing for the combine? Was it fun? Was it stressful? You know, what, just what was that whole experience like? Uh, for me, I, I feel like it was more fun than anything. Um, I was put around a good group of guys um, that were just, you know, in the, in the having fun and competing at the same time to where it was you would enjoy going to the this, this strength programs, you would go, enjoy going to the speed programs because we all knew, you know, I was trying to outrun, you know, the other corner that we had in the group. And we just had a relationship like that. You know, he was my roommate. So um, I was with guys like, you know, J.J. Arcega, he's – second-round pick to the Eagles. I was with another guy that was the first-round pick to the Eagles. So I was with a lot of talented guys across the country. And so uh, we just made everything a competition. So we would do the three-cone. It was a competition. We could do the fastest. We would do the vertical jump. Today it's a competition. Tomorrow it's a competition. Bench press, same thing. So um, it was always competing, and, and it was a fun competitive. So That's awesome. We're talking to cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting here. What do you remember about getting drafted itself, the actual draft weekend, draft night when they called your name, all the picks leading up to it. Take us through the mentality of that when you're waiting to hear your name called. Yeah, so um, I was sitting there, you know, on the couch and just watching. I seen some guys, you know, in my agency go, um, and I was just really excited for them in the first round, two uh, offensive tackles. And I was really excited for them. You know, we're texting the group message like, did you see Dre just got drafted? Did you see Jonas got drafted? Um, and then, you know, the second round came around, and we were all just kind of just sitting there, you know, relaxing. I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know where I was gonna go. I didn't know, you know, what teams you know liked me the most. Uh, I didn't know Oakland liked me a lot, and so their pick was coming up. You know, they had three or four like picks in the first two rounds, so I knew they were coming up. I didn't like me a lot, um, and so I was like, oh man, maybe I'm gonna go to Oakland and stuff like that. Um, and I saw they kept trading back, and then I seen that the Tampa Bay came up, and I was like, oh, I did go to Tampa. That was my first one, you know, um, and then. The phone rang. Yep. And so I looked at it, and I seen the Tampa Bay, you know, the area code. And I was like. Oh, my gosh. So I answered it, but no one saw me answer the phone. You so did I, it all stealthy-like. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I answered it because I was, I was in the corner by myself. Everyone else was just paying attention to the TV. Um, and so I answered it. I talked to him. I was just shocked. You know, I just didn't know what to do. So once I hung up the phone, my mom comes over there because, you know, my agent was there too. Um, so my mom was over there like, did you answer the phone? Like, your phone ringing. I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then two seconds later, it popped up on the TV. And so, you know, everyone just got excited. It was, mom was crying, just everything, emotions all over the place. So. That's awesome. Were you crying? No. You just, no. You just got a big old <laughs> smile on your face that makes me think, yes, a little no. bit. No. Yeah, no. I was. Yeah, just you were. Bit, just a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and you, you brought up your mom, which I, First of all, I love that you um, you talked about how she went with you to, to take you up to CMU mm -hmm. to try to get that, you know, that the, the, the thing they were going to give you. What was it about her that – was she the one that that was her idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I figured. Her, her decision. Her she decision did. to take you she up there. She was like, that's it, get in the car, we're she going. She said, yep, that's exactly what she said. She said, all right, get ready, we're about to go up to, we're about to, go up to Mount Pleasant. I love Pleasant. that. So we drove two and a half hours. Drove right up there. So you, you does, she, does she remind you that you owe her? No. I mean, no. No, she – I mean – she knows, you know, how much she means to me. Um, I feel like I, I show it, and even if I don't show it, she knows. Um, and so, I mean, I know I owe her. I feel like I owe her everything, um, and I'm going to continue to give her everything that, you know, she's always provided me my entire life. And so, 
Um, we just have that, that relationship where there's really nothing that's ever going to come between us. Um, and I, I always, you know, kind of rely on her to just steady be my mother and, and thank her for the way she raised me and, and made me the man I am today. Yeah, and you changed your name recently because yep. of her, right? Yep. So you added Murphy, is that right? That yes. You, it was just Sean Bunting? Yep. And Murphy is her maiden name? Yes. When she found out that you'd done that, what was her reaction? She cried again. <laughs> I'm noticing <laughs> a pattern here. She cried again. No, she was really excited. Um, she was really blessed. I did it around Mother's Day. So I actually did it legally in December, but I let her know around Mother's Day. And so that was my kind of my gift to her, you know, because I was still in California training, so I wasn't really around her. Um, and I did it for her and also my grandfather that I was talking about earlier. And so um, they were both just blessed and, and thankful and, and didn't really know how to react. That's awesome. So. I love that. And your mom also has a Twitter, which I think is pretty awesome. <laughs> has there ever has she ever tweeted anything or said anything that you're like, Mom? Honestly, I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but and then she'll tell me to retweet it or she'll tell me to favorite <laughs> or something and I, I automatically have she to. She wants you promoting her Twitter out automatically there. Automatically Well how about you so. give her a shout out right now? What's what's mama's handle? You want me to give her a shout out? Give it give her a shout out. We what, gotta we gotta help her out what here. What do you want me to say? Well what are what whatever you want to say and what her Twitter handle is, I feel like everybody needs to know this is important. And you don't know it right now. Oh, I see your face. <laughs> she took, well, first of all, she took my Twitter handle and then made it hers. Oh, okay. So, you know, mine was Mr. Shawnee B, and then she made hers Miss Kimmy B. Like, you can't do you that. Can't <laughs> you can't do that. Imitation is the best form of flattery, yeah, no, right? You can't, you can't that's so that. great. And uh, I, I love that. So, for you, that's an, an incredible part of mm -hmm. your, your journey. You kind of give her credit for a lot of your career Absolutely. at this point. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, you talked about how you'd, you'd come to Tampa as a visit before you got drafted. What do you remember about when you visited, what they said to you, how much could you tell what, what they thought of you and, and how much they liked you? Um, it was – I felt like it was my first visit, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I met with Coach Bowles first, and he was kind of just telling me how familiar he was with Coach Bono, who's my head coach, and um, how much he likes him and, and stuff like that and how much he likes my game and, and that I can play, you know, any different position and stuff like that. Um, but it was all really brief. And so after I met with him, I met with B.A., and B.A.'s meeting was, like, really quick, too. So I walked in, and he was like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing much, you know. And then he started talking about my game. And he's like, he's like you get a lot of penalties. <laughs> and I'm like. B.A. is always very upfront about stuff. <laughs> he's like, you get a lot of penalties. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, coach, I just like to play aggressive. He's like, can't be doing all that holding. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know. I'm like, I got you. I work, I'm, I've been working on it. He's like, yeah. He's like, you're a good player. But you can't be doing all the holding. <laughs> <laughs> like I got you, Coach. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, when we had uh, when we had Pat P, and, and he was he was the same way when he came. You can't be doing all that holding. <laughs> you just can't be. And I, he just kept saying it over, over and over again. And I was like, I got you, Coach. He was like, all right, we're good. That's that it. was it. We're good. And it was it was the quickest like that meeting compared to like or that visit compared to every other visit. It was it was different in a way where I didn't sit down with the coaches for hours going over playbooks and, and going over stuff like that i know i i took a different um visit to you know when i went to detroit and we were doing a walkthrough and stuff like that so i mean they were all different but tampa was the only one where i didn't go over a playbook i didn't do anything that had to do with x and o's i didn't um sit there in a formal meeting in front of all the coaches at once it was just a different vibe and so once i left my agent was like so how'd you like it and I was like, oh, it was it was cool, cause I didn't know any I didn't know yeah. any of the other ones. So I was like, oh, it was cool. He's like, did they like you? I'm like, I hope. I don't really know. <laughs> they don't like, want me to hold on. That. <laughs> I'm That's like, what I, I don't know. know. I hope. But every other every other visit I took, it was like, oh, you're so great. Like you could be this, you could be that. And 
it was all just different vibes, hmm. you know, so. That's interesting. All right, well, we're just past the halfway point here with Sean Murphy bunting, which means we got plenty more here from Hooters on Hillsboro. We're going to have more on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? Thanks so much for being with us on Monday. We are here with cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. We've been hearing a lot about who he is and his career and getting here. And I, we were just talking about your visit with the team. And I know that something they've said that they loved whenever you came in before the draft. They just they loved your personality and who you were. And they, I think they called it an infectious personality <laughs> that was a lot like uh, – it reminded me a lot of what they said about Devin White as well. And you guys getting to be in the same rookie class. I know that you guys got to do a lot of the same rookie activities together. And yep. you guys did seem like you bonded really, really quickly and got <laughs> along very well. Is that fair? Yeah, that's very fair to say. And how, how fun was it – to get to be with with him and then you guys also had you know Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards all these guys that like it looked like you guys just this whole defensive group bonded immediately yeah no we have a, a lot of personality in our rookie class yeah. um, I think that Devin might have the biggest personality <laughs> just being who he is uh, Mike Mike's a really funny guy Scotty too uh, it's a lot of guys that you guys wouldn't expect that are like the, the actual goofy goofy ones in the room because um, Scotty's definitely a real goofy kid. But, like, we have a lot of different personalities, and uh, we all bond together. We all click together. Um, and it just it feels good to know that, you know, they all drafted uh, people that are kind of the same. We're all similar in many ways. We all like to work hard, but at the same time we can have fun and, and, and enjoy ourselves in the now. That's right. awesome. Yeah, and you guys do the Rookie Club, which for people who don't know is essentially where they put you guys through a whole bunch of events in the community. They try mm -hmm. to, you know, even in a classroom setting, just I would almost describe it as making sure that you guys can become not only good football players but good men. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear, what did you think of the Rookie Club? Did you know to expect something like that when you came in? Uh, no, I actually didn't have any ideas of it um, until we got here, and then they kind of told us how we were going to do um, our summer and how we were going to be involved in many different things around the community, whether it was, you know, the police station or whether it was the fire department or stuff like that. Um, and, I mean, we enjoyed each and every one of them. We went to um, the police academy and we were able to kind of see how the dogs are, you know, trained and stuff like that and see. And we were put to, like, simulations and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was all exciting. You know, I didn't do the simulations, the, the car ones. Cause all yeah, you, you were not one of the quick I volunteers. Not, I was not I so was yeah, not the, a volunteer at all. For people who don't know, basically they went to how police officers are trained, and they were allowed to do simulations of if you were approaching a car for a traffic violation or something like that. Uh, your boy Jamel Dean, <laughs> <laughs> you're already laughing because you remember how this went. Tell everybody how he did in that scenario. Just uh, put it this way. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that scenario with him. Yeah, he <laughs> froze. You're glad he's a football player and not a cop. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. Just froze up just froze. completely. Did, doing stuff like that, how did it give you a different perspective on the community here? And, and what were the big things that you felt like you took away from the rookie club overall? Um, like you said, I mean, it just gives you a different perspective. You don't really know what you know other jobs are like or what other people go through in certain situations. And so I know um, being a police officer, you know, it's it's very controversial. You know, you can have – you can make the right decision or decision that you think is right. It could totally be the wrong decision everyone else thinks is wrong. And so um, you're, you're dealt with many different things and many different tasks. Um, and you really only have a split second, you know, to kind of decide what you want to do. And, and things like that could be hard. It, it kind of converts to, you know, being an athlete. You know, you can't always make the right decision at all times. Um, you know, you can have a, a, a MA during the play or a mistake during the play. Um, and it's a split second time difference like that you messed up on. And so um, it's, they're all risk-reward jobs, and they're all 
jobs that require a lot of detail and paying attention. And so um, hats off to, you know, police officers across the world. Hats off to, you know, guys over in the Marines, the Army, the Navy, and stuff like that because I know how hard it is just being being an athlete. So I know their jobs are even, you know, that much tougher. So How about the etiquette class? Did you feel like you all of a sudden now have just impeccable etiquette? I feel like I feel like my etiquette was always being critiqued a little bit. <laughs> you know, she was just say. She was all over you on that one. She was all over me on that one. Yeah, you were definitely the one getting picked on. I was trying my best, though. I was (laughs) trying my best. I love that. Um, I know that something else the rookies always do is they have to sing in front of the entire team. What did you sing? I sang, you should let me love you. That's what I sang. (laughs) Yep, that's what I sang. How did it go? I didn't get booed. That's th- that's all that matters. I did not get booed. They cheered me. They were singing along with me. It was it was really it was like a concert. Of course. If they would have turned the lights off, it would just been over. <laughs> yeah, that's all you needed was background dancers, Absolutely. all that kind of thing. How many guys did get booed? We won't make you call out who it is. If you feel like volunteering that information, also okay with it. Of course I will. Of course you will. I knew it. Jamel Dean got booed. Man, we're just hating on him tonight. Mike Edwards guy. was the worst. What? What did he sing? The national anthem. <laughs> And Devin White. He got, got booed, booed too? What yep, did he say? He was first. I'm not sure. It was a country song. He sang a country. Oh, that's what I mean. But he Louisiana got booed first. Guy. Yeah. He got booed first, and it just set up the. Man, so you're the only one of those first few draft picks that didn't get booed. This is impressive. Yeah. It was only, I think only four of us went. That's it? Mm-hmm. They didn't make everybody do it? No. Nope. Wow. I feel like you should bring that back and make the rest of the guys do it. I don't know what authority you have as a still rookie. Zero. Zero. That's probably accurate. You should <laughs> find a zero. veteran to ge- be on your side to make the other guys do it. I should. That's true. But Mike's was, Mike's was the worst. <laughs> if you get him on the show, you should make him sing. Then we don't want to butcher the national anthem on here, though. We might make him sing something else, though. And he's going to be bad. And he'll it. butcher it. <laughs> so for you, what were the, the biggest adjustments going from college to pro? The speed of the game. Um, I would say, you know, in, in college, you still have those guys that aren't good. That, you know, they try They think that they, because they're a five-star recruits out of high school, that they're really good. Um, but once you get to the NFL, it's like everyone's good. You know, everyone's fast. Um, everyone has something that they're good at. And so the NFL utilizes a lot of different traits and a lot of different guys. You got guys that are so fast that you only throw them deep balls. You only throw them vertical balls. You got guys that are big because so you only run them intermediate. And um, just adjusting to the speed of the game and adjusting to how accurate quarterbacks are and stuff like that, hmm. uh, it plays a big role in, in how yeah. you are as a young guy, are you as a cornerback especially. I always love asking rookies this. Have you had any moments of being starstruck based on either who's on your team or people you've faced? Yes. Yes. Tell me what those were. Um, probably the first day we started OTAs when I had to guard Mike Evans. It was like – I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's Mike. Mike. Yeah, like, and it was like, it's one of those plays where you're guarding him and you want to make sure that you don't, like, trip him or, like, step on his toes yeah. or something like that. Because yeah, you, you don't want to hurt Mike Evans. You don't want, you, you, you just don't. And, like, you just play, like, I play so cautious when guarding him. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to touch him. And then when you're rushing the quarterback, it's like, you better not touch Jameis. Yeah. Like, don't get close to him and stuff like that. That's so, the fastest way to get cut. Absolutely. <laughs> fastest way. That's the fastest way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the fastest um, I also see that, courtesy your mom's Twitter, mm-hmm. that she had tweeted out that you had gotten to watch, you had always watched Sue play. Yep. And that you were, like, chanting his name, and then now here, and she said nine years ago, which I'm sure made him feel old if he were to hear this story, <laughs> that nine years ago you're a kid, essentially, yeah. cheering for him, and I, now you're on the same team as him. Yeah, I actually told him. Um, I think when he first got there, I told him I used to grow up watching him. I'm, so what I bet did he, he say I bet that? he felt kind of – 
weirded out. Yeah. Then, like, he felt like he was really old. But I told him, I was like, hey, man, you know I used to go to your games. He's like, for real? I'm like, yeah, when you were in Detroit. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it was about nine, ten years ago. <laughs> I'm like, And that's when the, he smushed you into a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're getting up there. The, yeah, this is why it's good you're on the same side of the ball as him. Exactly. I feel like I wouldn't have said that if I exactly. were an offensive player because that's, that's how you die. Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty funny. How about the players that you grew up idolizing? Who were they? Um, I grew up watching um, Charles Woodson. He's a big guy. Champ Bailey. Um, I loved Calvin Johnson. I loved Brett Favre. So, I mean, I just grew up watching a lot of different guys. Um, I would say my favorite would be Charles Woodson. He was okay. a Michigan guy. And, um, he just was a ball hawk. He was just a, a, a guy that was automatic. You knew he, what he was going to give it each day. I mean, he's going to make plays on offense. He's going to make plays on defense. Just like he, he just did it all. He was just a guy that could do everything you wanted him to do. And so. Yeah. I remember uh, at training camp this year, I was talking to Rondé Barber on the sideline mm -hmm. during a practice, and he just started raving about you, mm -hmm. talking about how he felt like you could just be, you know, incredible, all the talent you had. He was talking about your hips and your feet and mm -hmm. the way you move out there and how impressed he was by that. Was he a guy that you had watched, and, and what did it mean to hear that someone like him would say that about you? See, I actually did. I watched him and his brother. So when I used to play Madden, they used to be on the game. So I used to always <laughs> try to trade them. Another on a, thing that will make them feel old I that you're playing on Madden. <laughs> I used to always try to trade them on the same team and then, like, just kind of play with them both. But, no, I, I watched him. Like, my dad was a big fan of his. Um, and we watched his highlights the other day in the, in the, um, the DB room. And he was just electric. You know, he just always made plays. Um, he just always made plays around the ball. He always did his job. Um, he's just a big guy in Tampa. That he's, he's really known in Tampa. He's known for his ability um, on the field, but he's also known for his personality off the field. And um, even – today you know coming in guys he doesn't really know he's not familiar with he's still going to try to build a relationship with you um and, and make his his presence felt on you to, to know that he's always there for you so it means a lot i yeah. know for me and for all the other younger guys here that's huge i love it. we we still have one more segment coming up where we're going to talk a little bit about this upcoming london game and i dared sean here to try out his london accent his british accent so he's going to read my out cue going into break in his best british accent so here we go we will have more from Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Hey there, Bucks fans. It's time for our final segment here with cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. We have been live from Hooters on Hillsboro like we are every week. But just a reminder, we will not have a show next week because of the bye week, but then we'll be back after that so we have the london game coming up which sean did an expert job of reading the out cue card in his you. british accent beforehand um so we're going to talk a little bit about the game and then at the end i'm going to quiz you on a few british terms okay. to see if you know them you feel like you might get any of these right yeah no no <laughs> no <laughs> you're gonna you told me in the break you're gonna just guess tea <laughs> for everything <laughs> Uh, all right, so what did you guys learn about the Panthers from the first time around that you feel like now you're going to be able to apply this second time? Um, the Panthers are just a, a really good team. They've been playing a lot better with this new quarterback in. Um, and Christian McCaffrey has been running, you know, really well since, you know, we've last met him. I think he's had over 100 yards each game that he's played in since our last meeting with him. Um, but they have some good guys on the outside, good receivers, um, really physical guys. Uh, DJ Moore is a guy that, you know, he's a big yak guy, so once he catches the ball, he's looking to get – you know, up the field as much as possible with it. And so um, the defense has been playing really well, really aggressive, um, fast. So, I mean, it's going to be a good showing. So it's, uh, it's going to be a nice reunion in London. Uh, there's really no home for the bandage. So, so it's, it's really 
you know, it's football. Yeah. So it's for pound sure. for pound, whoever, you know, the better team that given day is, is who's going to win that game. For sure. So usually Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey are the main ones that get attention on their offensive side. But since you obviously are going to be most familiar with the wide receivers, tell us specifically what gets overlooked about them or, or what they bring to the offense that can even let, you know, McCaffrey and other guys like that get stuff done. Um, they're a young core. Um, I don't think people actually notice how young they are. Um, all those guys are really, you know, two, three years in, uh, four, maybe four. Um, and I know DJ Moore is a, a really young guy, and he's really physical. He's he's a lot physical because in this conference you have to be physical. Um, he's really more, a lot physical than a lot of people think. Um, I know Curtis Samuel is a guy that has a lot of speed. You know, he's a lot of jet sweep guy. He's an over-top guy. And they kind of use those guys, in, you know, hand-in-hand. Hand. They like to throw the, 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 the streak ball to, to Curtis Samuel. They like to throw the deep ball to, to, to Moore. And so – um, they're going to utilize those guys as much as they can um, to kind of counter what McCaffrey can do for them. And they can use him any kind of way to that to give him the ball you know, any way possible. Yeah. So. Are you excited for the London trip? Have you been there before? I've never been to London. Never. You excited? I am. I've never been out of the country. Look so this at is my that. first time. First time. Country, yeah. That's awesome. Well, then, uh, what are the, the, maybe the top thing you're excited about to go out of the country or go to London? Um, I would just say just seeing a different different country like I've never I don't even know what to expect when I get there I have no idea I know they drive on the different side of the road so it's gonna be weird yeah I don't think I'm gonna uber anywhere I think I'm gonna walk yeah it seems safer <laughs> yeah it just seems more safe to just walk <laughs> instead of Ubering. I love that well here we'll help you get prepared I can quiz you with a few London terms okay, okay? I found all these from a BuzzFeed quiz which probably means it's not I'm not sure <laughs> about the accuracy level here but that's what we're that's what we're working with so right. uh first one snogging does it mean sleeping a knife fight Making out or acting foolish? Making out. Got it. See, look, I already got one. We got one term. All right, see, you, you had no confidence in yourself. All right. Snogging. <laughs> I don't think they say it like that. Snogging. 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 There we go. We got the British accent. Snogging. All right, next one is, I think I'm saying this right, hopefully, stroppy. Does it mean you're angry, sweaty, or dirty? Stroppy. I'm stroppy. I'm stroppy. <laughs> dirty. It's angry. <laughs> it's angry. So now you can yell this at somebody on the on the field, right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, how about dog's body? It's one word. Dog's Does it mean body. a stranger, like like a rando, uh, a person that's very thin, or someone that does kind of just average or menial tasks? Dog's body. <laughs> average or medium tasks. Got it. Look at that. You got two out of the three. That's this is I'm impressive. I like this. Okay, how about a jumper? Is it a annoying child, a field position in the game of cricket, no. or a windbreaker? A windbreaker like a jacket? Yeah. A jumper. Sounds like a romper. Windbreaker. Look, at, you're nailing this. See, That's you're it? you're completely ready for London already. I love this. See, you're we're already we've established you're ready to go. What have you guys been talking about for actual prep as compared to learning these words? What are the things that you guys are working on to just make sure you're ready to do a big trip like that? Um you're talking about as far as just the the, the, the travel trip. and yeah and how it different it is from maybe other road trips for you guys and uh, what maybe for you mentally how you're trying to prepare for that uh, we have like a specific sleep schedule that you're trying to put us on for this week um it's like an hour difference each each day and so maybe today we go to sleep at nine tomorrow it's 10 the next day it's 11 just to kind of acclimate ourselves for the time change um and as far as the playing goes it's kind of the same um they're, they're going to put us on they want us to wear these glasses that kind of block out some of the the, the light we get from our phones and stuff like that to kind yeah. of just put ourselves in, in the right 
in the right mindset. That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciated having you on here. Thank you. All I right, and we'll see here. you guys next time. We don't have a show next week, but we see the, the week after that. We'll have more from Hooters then on Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio.